When you need to refuel between meetings or running errands, or you just want a healthy snack that squashes your hunger, wonderful pistachios, which come in a variety of flavors and sizes, by the way, are the perfect choice to fill you up and keep you going throughout the day. Wonderful Pistachios is also a good source of protein and a zero-guilt snack. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, guys, which gives you over 10% of your daily value. And with flavors like salt and pepper, sweet chili, and seasoned salt in the shelled variety, options like chili roasted, sea salt, and vinegar or jalapeno lime in the no-shell variety, you're sure to please your taste buds while snacking healthy. So check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. All right, who has not taken advantage of the week free trial of the fitness app yet. Check it out. It is a one-stop shop for all your fitness, nutrition, and wellness needs. Custom meal plans, personalized workout programs, meditations, sleep programs, community support, and so much more. You can use it on any device, anywhere, any place, anytime. No equipment needed or all the equipment in the world is in there. There's yoga, there's kickboxing, there's audio-only workouts, there's HIIT training, weight loss programs, prenatal programs, programs, anything and everything you can think of is in the fitness app. And if you go to the fitnessapp.com slash podcast deal, you can get 25% off an annual subscription for $89.99 a year. So check it out and start your free trial today. Welcome to Keeping It Real Conversations with Jillian Michaels. All right, guys, we have a great show for you today, and we're taking your questions across all categories of wellness, from fitness, nutrition, and so much more to help you live your most awesome, amazing life. Cliche? Maybe. Possible? Absolutely. Um, But I want to talk to you guys about a podcast that I just listened to uh, that was sent to me from Allison Sweeney, actually. And it was a woman named Barry Weiss. It's her show. She had a doctor on named Dr. Casey Means. So this woman is a Stanford-trained physician, probably the most well-spoken human I think I have ever heard. I mean, talk about intelligent, articulate, so well-versed in her area of medicine, which she specializes in particular in metabolic disease, which I want to talk to you guys a little bit about in segment two, but I really want to hunt this woman down and get her on our show. So I don't want to say too much because always get it, always better to get it from the absolute best of the best. Uh, so anyway, she's on this woman's show where she's talking about the obesity crisis and it's, it's nothing that I don't already know, right? I'm listening to it thinking like, I know this, but you know how, when you know this, sometimes you almost just sort of forget how serious it is, how important it is. And it goes back to 2008 when Michelle Obama came into the White House and had the Let's Move campaign and how she had celebrities 
like Beyonce, right? Helping her with this Let's Move campaign. And in fact, Biggest Loser was involved in that campaign. I think we even shot an episode, I want to say at the White House, if I can recall correctly, or somewhere where we were, she was involved in that episode. And I remember that um, we got in trouble because I think we were swearing on that episode and the White House was very disappointed in our behavior. Uh, Anyway, that's what it was about. It was about let's move, right? And combating childhood obesity, which has gone up since 2008 and not down. And now we've gone from these messages, which we've talked about um, on the show of like, okay, live your best life, you know, take control, you're not a victim, to dangerous messages, not of things like healthy at any size, which is just simply not not possible, let alone not true. It's like saying the earth is flat. Um, And this woman takes a real deep dive into looking at where this messaging is coming from um, and why. And I want you guys to really think about this. And we've talked about not being a victim and not falling into that victim mentality and how everybody's kind of addicted to who's the bigger victim, right? Who's got it more unfair circumstance. But have you ever stopped to think about who's profiting from that? Who's benefiting from putting that messaging into the world? Seriously, who makes money when you are overweight and unhealthy? Who? Follow the money. Big food, big pharma. Who pays for all of the the advertising on these media outlets? Big food, big pharma. And you've got demagogues and virtue signalers and big business that are all behind this messaging of, fat acceptance, right? And um, the, the the false narratives of, of being healthy at any size. I was listening to Bill Maher the other day and he's like, you know, in a world where the truth and the narrative conflict, the truth is the one that has to apologize. And I was like, oh my God, what's happening? And it's not getting better, it's getting worse. And the thing with fat acceptance, and let me, we always have to clarify, right? Lest, lest it be deemed that, Fat people are not acceptable. It's not that. In fact, it's the opposite. The reason this messaging is so scary is because it keeps you overweight. And if it keeps you overweight, you're done. You're you're caught in the web. It's over. You will be in a perpetual cycle of illness and medication until you die. Literally until you die. And you will die of something shitty and something terrible years earlier than you needed to. And in fact, um, I know two people, one person that just died of pancreatic cancer was one of Giancarlo's best friends. Mm -hmm. And one of Tashana's friend's mom was just diagnosed with it, right? And you you know, pancreatic cancer is like Mm -hmm. one of the worst. And this woman, Dr. Casey Means, was saying that the, the, the top contributor to pancreatic cancer is metabolic disease, right? So what's metabolic disease? It's when your cells are no longer able to make energy or to use energy. And when they can't do that, they can't function properly. 
So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit in segment two, but it's from eating too much of the wrong stuff, period. End of story, right? And now you have all of this messaging that is like guilting people about their food choices. And I saw something. How about this one? It was something in the Los Angeles public school system where they posted a video from a nutritionist. Now, remember, a nutritionist is not a registered dietitian. And I know because I'm a certified nutritionist and I never, ever do anything on my own. I work with multiple registered dietitians, whether it's Dr. Natalie Chevreau or Dr. Cheryl Forberg. I never, ever, I'm like, I am the end all be all. No, I'll go talk to Dr. William Lee. I'll go talk to Dr. Uma Naidu. I will talk to somebody with a degree and say, what does the science say? Break down these studies for me. Is this peer reviewed? You know, does it add up? Does it make sense? What are the mechanisms of, of this study? You know, what does it say? How does it work? Explain it to me. Pancreatic cancer is just one, just one of 170 diseases, right? 170 comorbidities we get when we are carrying too much weight, when we eat too much of the wrong things. And if you really cared about somebody, if you really cared about them, you wouldn't let them smoke, you wouldn't let them do heroin, and you would not let them overeat the wrong foods. Or you would try to help them. You try to raise awareness. But instead now, the messaging is the opposite, and it's getting worse, as we've talked about. It's like, how dare these fat shamers, and how, you know, you you go ahead, and you treat yourself, and oh, you're you are, this is what scares me the most, by the way, you are a person of color and therefore you should be bigger. And do you realize that things like COVID are disproportionately killing people of color? Hello? You guys, things like diabetes are disproportionately affecting people of color. And then you've got now someone saying that the term, this, oh, so this nutritionist was saying that the term junk food is a racist term. And I was like, oh my God, what are you doing? <laughs> because I don't even really understand the logic. I watched the video three times. I can't even explain it to you. It's so nonsensical mm. to me. But the argument becomes, well, now you're judging people of, of lesser means, right? Who, who are under-resourced. So they have to eat this stuff. And you're calling it junk food. And you're demeaning them and it's racist, which is absurd. But then you've got people that are going to be afraid to say, hey, that food is junk because they don't want to be called racist, right? Mm -hmm. So now all the people that are going to say something are getting more and more afraid to say something. And this woman, so Dr. Casey Means is like, I cannot tell you, she said this much more eloquently than me, but how much shit she gets for telling the truth. And she's ableist and she's racist and she's all, all these things, right? Privileged and... And she's a doctor, Cindy. This is what she does for a living. Mm. Is try. She was saying that the the um, definition of success in medicine with a case is how long you you know somebody adheres to their medicine protocol. That's considered successful. How long they're on the drug, how long they stay on statins, not whether you've reversed it. How long they're on metformin, not whether you've reversed it. No, you, yeah, go, yeah, if go. you reverse it, the pharmaceutical companies aren't that's making what, any money. That's what I'm saying. Ugh. Who is benefiting from you being overweight? You, If you are buying in that you can be healthy at any size, right? And that it's a, 
a Western European ideal of beauty. Someone is playing you for a fool. Somebody is manipulating your vulnerabilities and your insecurities and the fact that you may be under-resourced to profiteer off of your condition. And you got to wake up. You, you, you guys, you got to wake up. This is not about, quote, fat acceptance, having anything to do with the value of the person. If you value the person, you got to wake up. So what I'm asking everybody to do out there right now who feels like a victim, and even though we are talking about weight, this does play in in other areas, right? Whether you are a person of color or you're part of the LGBTQ plus community, who benefits from you being a victim? Who? And like I said, I get it. Life is inherently unfair. Some people have it worse off than others. Some, you know, it, bad things happen to great people, but, and it's okay to be mad about it. It's okay to be sad about it. But if you then accept it, right, I'm going to accept this. And this goes back to something that you and I were talking about before we started the show, which is people who become their illness. I'm diabetic. No, you have diabetes, right? Or, you know, even some of the people we've been talking about on previous episodes that I have gotten attacked by on social media, a PCOS warrior. And, I, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, you can, you can reverse this condition, right? This is, this is absolutely manageable. You can either reverse it or make it significantly better for you. <laughs> and you become, these people are becoming their disease. So not only is it I'm a victim of this situation, I am this. And that becomes extremely difficult to break because now it's part of who you are and it comes with a community, which is even more dangerous, right? Because God forbid you question keto or you question CrossFit or it's part of a community. So now you have literally attacked someone's God to a certain extent. And I'm telling you, that's a very real thing because more and more people are actually moving away from organized religion, but into a different communities to get that sense of community and like, oh, you eat like me, you live like me, you train like me, you have the same ethics and principles as me, which there's nothing wrong with that. But identifying with your disease is dangerous. It's dangerous, you guys. I get that you want support as you should have it. But when you get attached to it and you make it part of your identity, you are relegating yourself to something that can be changed. So I want to leave you with these three thoughts. Who is benefiting from you being a victim? How are you benefiting from being a victim? If at all, right? And how are you benefiting from becoming your condition? So you might have something, but you are not that something. And fat is a perfect example. You may have extra fat, but you're not, you are not fat, literally, correct? You might be overweight. You might have body fat. We all do. You might have more body fat than is considered healthy, but actually you're not fat. Fat is not what you are. And it's the same thing with PCOS. And it's the same thing with hypothyroidism. And it's the same thing with cancer. You are not cancer. You may have cancer. You are not cancer. And part of fighting these diseases is accepting that this is something you are working to fix. And the reason you're working to fix it is so that you can be better off emotionally, psychologically, financially. And I've said this one before, 
disease is the number one cause of bankruptcy in this country. So when you send these messages of healthy at any size and quote fat acceptance, you guys can't, you can't believe it because it's not true. And I know it's tempting and I, and it is taking advantage of your vulnerabilities. It is taking advantage of the fact that you might have felt less than because of it. You might have felt marginalized. You may have been marginalized. You, you cannot allow somebody to exploit those feelings though. And those insecurities to keep you in a place that will cost you in all the ways I mentioned. So ask yourself those questions. And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about metabolic disease in hopes that we can get uh, this doctor, Dr. Casey Means to come on and really dig in and explain it to us in detail. All right, guys, we'll be right back. Your business was going great, but now your team is buried in manual work. If this is you, you should know these three numbers, 37,025, one. 37,000, that's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. 25, NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less. Close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow all in one place. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash Jillian. That's netsuite.com slash Jillian to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash Jillian. All right, team. You know, I love Skims underwear because I've mentioned them and have been wearing them for, gosh, a little over a year now. So I finally had to try their bras and Skims has delivered yet again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give. Even the underwire bras I wear all day are so comfortable, I barely even notice I'm wearing them. Whether it's the weightless scoop bra, the fits everybody bra, the plunge bra, the fits everybody t-shirt bra. I always get them in sand, so you never notice them. Super comfortable. Love them. Wear them nonstop all the time. Shop Skims bras at skims.com now. Available in 62 sizes, 38 to 46 H, plus get free shipping on orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know I sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select my show in the drop-down menu that follows. All right, team. Um, As you know, I like to get uh, some excellent doctors to come on and elaborate after I highlight the broader points for you. And obviously, no, I am not a doctor. I'm a person that cares about my health and wellness. And um, I like to talk to doctors that I deeply respect. So I have a greater understanding of how to best take care of myself. So essentially, metabolic disease... Um, and I'm going to try to put this in the the best kind of layman's terms that I can, um, is really a disease that disrupts your normal metabolism, which is how we convert our food to energy on a cellular level, right? Um, So think about this. You eat food, it gets digested, um, it becomes glucose, blood sugar, and the body releases insulin. Insulin ushers the sugar 
to the cells and the cells use the glucose for energy. All right. Now, when we eat too much and, and um, anybody with a medical degree, if I'm butchering this, you know, I apologize. Uh, I, think I'm, I think I'm getting it fairly right, right enough. But when we eat too much and we have too much blood sugar, right? So that happens when we eat too much, especially too much of the wrong stuff, but still too much because where's that energy going to go? Even if it's good stuff and you eat too much of it, where's it going to go? Now, the argument that other people will make is, oh, if you're eating the good stuff, you're not going to overeat the good stuff. I don't necessarily agree with that, though, because I've seen a gazillion people come to me and say, I don't know what's wrong. I can't lose weight. I'm eating healthy, <laughs> right? And it's just too much of the good stuff. Energy is energy, and they're taking in a lot of energy, even though it's not the bad stuff. In other words, they may be eating the olive oil, the avocado, the walnuts, all those things that are energy dense, but they're also nutrient dense. And the argument is that, oh, if you eat that stuff, you won't eat too much of it. But like I said, I've seen it happen before. So you got to keep that in mind. Whereas conversely, when you eat the bad stuff, there are food scientists who spend all day long trying to make sure you keep eating the bad stuff. Um, and I'll give you an example. This is kind of interesting. So, and this came from that podcast I listened to with Dr. Casey Means. So she was saying that one of the worst things in the food supply is high fructose corn syrup, right? Which is heavily refined fructose. And she said that fructose, obviously from fruit, now that is not the same thing as high fructose corn syrup, but fructose has a, a, a component to it that does not trigger satiety. Reason being for animals that hibernate, bears, for example, so they keep eating, right? So it doesn't trigger satiety. So when they hibernate, they have all this stored body fat. So it doesn't trigger a feeling of fullness. Food scientists know this and swap sugar out for high fructose corn syrup, which is a concentrated way of saying you are not satiated. You're not full. You want more. And there's all different mechanisms in these genetically modified heavily processed foods to get you to keep eating, right? So another thing we just talked about, who's keeping you fat and why? Well, right, okay. So, all right, you've eaten too much, too much of the wrong stuff, too much period. And the cells are like, yep, the, we're done. The closed, shop is closed, can't take any more in. So your body responds with a workaround and it says, oh yeah? So it releases a bunch more insulin and the insulin's like, you will take these people in now, right? You will take this glucose in because glucose banging around in the blood sugar is very dangerous. We, we know what this is, right? This is, this is when you are now type two diabetic or by the way, pre-diabetic and lose limbs. They could go blind, all kinds of bad stuff with type two diabetes, not type one. So for those of you who are wondering what type one is, type one is a condition you're born with where the body doesn't make insulin. Type two is when your body you produce so much insulin, your body is just resistant to it. It's not working anymore. Okay, so, so they're different um, diseases. Okay, so you are dumping all of this sugar and you're like, no, you're gonna take it. You are gonna take this glucose in. So you get heavier and heavier. Now, by the way, um, it's not just obese people that have type two diabetes. So you can be thin, quote, skinny, and very, very sick. Skinny people get cancer, skinny people get... So the idea, obviously, is to be fit, not skinny. But nevertheless, 
obesity is generally a side effect of too much of those foods. So, so think of it that way. That's why it is really essentially a marker that you have had elevated levels of insulin because you have taken in an excess amount of energy than you need it. So it's like, oh, I can see this has gone on. So that already tells us that's one indicator that this has been going on within your body. And you won't even get warned of elevated insulin levels. You'll only get warned when you're pre-diabetic. And there's a good 10-year process until you become pre-diabetic and you've had elevated insulin levels that whole time. So you, you want to make sure that not only is your doctor checking your levels, your blood sugar and all of that, fasted blood sugar, um, but that you know what it means because they won't tell you. They won't be like, oh man, this is actually high. Why is this high? You know where this is going to go. Well, so and don't oh, they test your, they like, I, they've always tested my glucose, right? And that's all, but one time they tested my A1C and I was like, A1C glucose versus glucose. And I, I was like, wait a minute. I, and I had to start that conversation. And how come, why are we just checking that now? Why haven't we checked that in the past? Yep. And what, you know, so it's like, here we go again, asking the doctors, yeah, what tests are you running and why? Well, this woman, um, Dr. Means talks all about how they train the doctors and which, which is like desperate to have her on because, you know, it, a success story is essentially when you've gotten them in your office, had a diagnosis, prescribed a medication and gotten them out <laughs> in 15 minutes. And then how long have you kept them on the medication? <laughs> right. It's not that upstreamist mentality we talk about of why, what, getting ahead of it, knowing what's going on. And at this point now, if you start to give that met, that advice, like doctors, the American Medical Association said that, that you can't tell your patient that they're obese, that you shouldn't be weighing your patients anymore. Like it's, it's crazy. That stuff scares the shit out of me. But again, whatever. So you think to yourself, right? Well, I don't understand. How come? So, so how come if I'm taking in all this energy, my cells aren't making energy properly? It's because as we mentioned, they're, they're all filled up with energy, right? They can't handle anymore. So now you've got this breakdown in communication and the cells don't function properly because they, they're not able to convert your food into energy properly, but that's all the cells in your body. So this is where, or this is the reason that metabolic disease is linked to so many different conditions because the, the cells aren't functioning properly. And I, I've, we've talked about it, right? Alzheimer's, glaucoma, erectile dysfunction, pancreatic cancer, and the list goes on. And, you know, people will say, oh, well, you know, I'm healthy, my doctor says, and they could be 50 pounds overweight. And as I said, you can be not quote overweight and still very unhealthy, but that's a big indicator for the reasons I mentioned. Okay. So the question is, well, what are they checking? What are they looking for? What are the yeah. biomarkers? They don't know you have pancreatic cancer. Are they checking for you know, elevated levels of cytokines and inflammatory proteins. And, you know, no, probably not. They're, they're probably just running a, a baseline test of, okay, blood sugar and, you know, triglycerides, blood pressure, any, anything you need to tell me? No, okay, fine. Especially if you don't want to tell them. If you're, if you're in denial about the situation, 
and you're not going to say it and it's it's going to be too late. So when someone tells you that you are genetically the way you are, that, you know, this is just your body and all bodies come in different shapes and sizes. Yes, they come in different shapes and sizes. I'm five foot three, but my body could be five foot three and 220 pounds or my body can be five foot three and 120 pounds. That's up to me. I'm never going to be five foot seven. I'm never going to be 110, but there's a wide range in there, right? Of how my body functions, how my body feels, how my genetics express themselves. And it's within my control. It is. And last but not least on this topic, because I I really want you to just kind of process the information I've given you in segment one and segment two, one of the, if not the most potent ways to resensitize your body to insulin and reverse metabolic disease is walking, walking. And, you know, they're saying sitting is the new smoking for a reason. And in fact, we've had Dr. Sanjay Gupta come on and talk about it, right? When you looked at chasing life, oh, these civilizations or these, you know, throughout history, these cultures that lived the longest, you know, they, they walked. It's kind of slow and steady state activity. Dan Buettner from the blue zones, people that live a hundred plus, they're moving throughout the day. Whereas, and I'm guilty of this, people like myself who are sedentary most of the day and then go get a workout on four times a week, I'm actually at a greater disadvantage because the best way to do it is to walk, move, stand throughout your day. And then, yeah, man, if you could fit in like four half hour workouts, that'd be great. But one of the best ways to help your body get the glucose into the cells, get everything functioning properly is exercise. And there's, this isn't even a question. There's gazillions and gazillions and gazillions of studies. So take a walk around the block after dinner, right? Like get up every hour uh, of your work and, and do five minutes of, you know, push-ups, air squats, lunges, jumping jacks, stand when you're on the phone. It makes a difference. And I'm not coming at you saying I need perfection. I don't, but I do need you to wake up and all of this false messaging telling you that anybody that says you're not healthy or anybody that says you need to be scared is a fat shamer. That is the person manipulating you. I promise. Whether they just want you to think they're a good guy or whether they're trying to get elected, or whether they're trying to make money off of you, that is the person that is full of shit. Because the person that really cares about you is the one that's going to say, hey, listen, I get this is hard and I get this is scary, but you're capable of doing it and here's how. And that's what you need to remember. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Okay, we have the listener questions now. Are you ready? ready Oh, I'm ready. Heck yeah. Okay. Okay, we've got from Garden Girl, sagging stomach. I'm a size eight UK, which I think is a four in the US. 
I've noticed when in plank, my stomach skin just hangs there sagging. What can I do about it? Wear high-waisted leggings. Not kidding. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Actually, not kidding. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, stomach skin is stomach. It's skin. You know, you you can obviously take care of your skin, which means eating foods rich in antioxidants, considering a collagen supplement, hydrating, staying out of the sun, uh, not eating garbage, but that's about the extent of it. So I, you can have a surgery. I think that's a terrible idea, but it's an option. Big on telling the truth, huge on transparency. Um, you know, the, the reality is that as we get older, our, our skin loses a little of its elasticity. If we were overweight and we lost weight, we can have some excess skin. And I go back to the same conversation, guys. Like this falls under the kind of cellulite category, right? It's, it's like, this is not a threat to your health. If there was something you could do about it, I would tell you, right? But there kind of isn't. And nobody's perfect. So I'd say high-waisted leggings, take care of your skin all the ways I just told you. And just be proud of yourself that you're in plank, period. That's a <laughs> hell of an accomplishment unto itself. Okay. Um, Carol Sand says, I have been on estrogen replacement for a few months now. Before, I didn't have oblique fat. I'm starting to add protein to my diet to help with weight loss. How can I counteract the effects of having to use estrogen? Okay, well, first of all, adding protein to your diet does not counteract the effects of estrogen. I don't know who, who told you that. Um, protein uh, is considered good in a diet. Um where you're trying to lose weight because it's four calories a gram and fat's nine calories a gram because it doesn't convert to blood sugar more quickly. So you're not going to be dumping all that excess, I'm sorry, insulin into the body. Um, so it's, it's good in the diet, but adding extra protein is just adding more calories, if that makes sense. So if you're saying I swapped some starchy carbs or some processed foods for some clean protein, then I'm going to say, okay, great. And as we get older, protein is also great because it helps us maintain our muscle and our bone density and all that lean tissue, right? The body goes, what do I do with all these amino acids that are in the proteins? I'm going to use it to build. Um, but conversely, uh, if you're young and you're healthy, um, you don't need these crazy high protein diets either. Cause that sounds like a great thing, right? We're like, Oh, awesome. Well, I should be eating all this protein then, but it can actually accelerate aging for a host of reasons. But one of the most important within this conversation is that when your body has all these amino acids, it's like, all right, I got all this stuff coming in. I got to constantly do something with it. Whereas if you don't have all of that stuff coming in, then your body gets into that autophagy process of, breaking down dead and senescent tissue and getting it out of the body, which is great for slowing aging, preventing disease, because we're getting all those dead cells out of there, right? So I just want to clear that up. So that, that's that's not going to have anything to do with anything. Um, I also do not think it's the estrogen that's making you heavier. In fact, as we go into menopause, it's the loss of estrogen 
that will make you heavier. The oblique fat is actually the loss of estrogen and the conversion to, um, what is it, DHT. Dr. Quebec had talked about this, dihydrotestosterone, I think it is. Um, it's the opposite problem that you're actually having. So, of course, talk to the doctor that puts you on the estrogen and have your levels checked. Um, make sure you're really see a pro on the hormone replacement thing. Um, Dr. Lisa Moscone, read the, what was it, the XX Brain, Cindy, her book? Read that book all yes. about menopause. Um, because while I would love to advise you, I am not an endocrinologist. I am not a gynecologist. I am not a doctor that specializes in this. Even though we've had many doctors who have on, I am regurgitating the things they said and strongly recommend you read the book because um, hormone replacement is good for some women, not all women. There are a myriad of factors that determined that the kind of hormones that you're taking, the amount you're taking all matter and having the right doctor do that work is absolutely critical in your health and the success of those medications. So, um, adding protein is not going to do it. See the appropriate person, have your hormone levels checked, make sure you're the right person to take it, make sure it's the right, right type of estrogen, right kind of estrogen, the right amount of estrogen. Um, and then you got to just, as we get older, the metabolism does slow down a little bit. You got to eat a little bit less. You got to avoid the starchy carbs and the alcohol way more. And you got to exercise consistently. And that that will work. It's just a little bit, gets a little bit harder as we age, but it does work. I guarantee it. Well, speaking of working out, Indra says she's getting too bulky from her workouts. I've been using the app since 2020, and I love the variety of workout programs. I'm 5'3", 105 to 110 pounds, and I've never really had any problems with my weight or body shape, despite eating anything I want, doing sports only sporadically, until recently. I turned 40. Okay. I, <laughs> I turned okay. 40. Um, it might be changes in my lifestyle. I've started cutting out certain foods and beverages. I've increased my workout frequency to six days a week. I'm currently focusing on the Shred in 30 program, but instead okay. of losing weight, I'm bulking up. Okay. Well, first of all, you're overtraining. Um, you're you're overtraining. If, so if you're doing body shred, body shred is only 30 minutes a day, and that includes a five-minute warm-up and a five-minute cool-down. And it doesn't have um, heavy weights in it. So if you are doing just body shred, you should be fine and you got to just reduce the calories. Um, as in make sure that you're not eating so much that you are, it's very hard for women to gain muscle, but I'm pretty sure that's not it. My, I think what's happening is either you're eating more than you're burning in a day. And if that's the case, you're just going to put on weight in general. If that's not the case, you're still not going to put on a bunch of muscle eating less and moving more. It's not, it's not, it's almost impossible. You don't have the androgenic hormones to do it to begin with, but if you're eating less and moving more and you have a calorie deficit, you don't have the extra energy or the extra nutrients to build muscle. So what's probably happening is you're, if it's not extra weight from eating, right? Eating and working out, eating more and exercising, it's likely just inflammation since you're training a lot. So I would say if you're only doing body shred, and you're noticing that, take the two cardio days off, okay? And make sure that you're not eating more calories than you're burning. Make sure you're sleeping and make sure you're drinking your water because you can swell and retain fluid 
which can make your jeans fit tighter. So if you go to the gym and you have a crazy leg day, your jeans will be snug the next day because you're, you're going to be swollen. You're going to have a, an inflammatory response to it. So dial that back and make sure that you are not eating more than you're burning. And last but not least, if you're doing body shred and something else, don't do that. You guys all want to like do more and I get it. That The only more you can do is meditation, stretching, active recovery walks, foam rolling. But I put enough stress into those 30 minutes. You do not need more of it. More is counterintuitive. More recovery will work, but not more stress. All right. One last quick one from Michelle. Okay. She read um, she read your blog on cooler temperatures activating brown fat cells. Fat, the good yeah, fat. Do- that's Dr. William Lee. So you I mean, said a great way to do this without being totally miserable is to sleep in a cool room mid to 60 degrees. So yep. Michelle says I could turn down the thermostat, but I instinctively reach for an extra blanket with that I negate know. the benefit. Does it come from being cold while, while I sleep or just from breathing cold air? Uh, it comes from being cool. It does. I mean, that is the mechanism is that it activates brown fat. I know I, I can clarify <laughs> with Dr. Lee. I mean, I, there's a small chance I'm wrong, but I don't think so. I mean, ultimately the, the key is that your body needs to feel the coolness of the room. Now you don't need to freeze because you're not going to sleep, right? You're going to be uncomfortable. But if you, you know, if you go for like the extra blanket, if your body isn't cool, you want your body to be cool while you're sleeping. So anything that it makes you, you know, warm or makes you sweat a little bit while you sleep or wakes you up. I actually wake up when the room's too warm. It wakes me up. Yeah, uh, me too. Yeah. So a blanket, obviously, but if you're going for two and you're completely negating it, I mean, yeah, temperature is temperature. So your body's not going to feel the coolness and you won't get benefits, but don't freeze either. That won't allow you to sleep. Like Maybe a, a light sheet and a light blanket, I think, is the way to go. Stick your feet out. I like to stick my feet out. Snorkel. Yeah, that works. Snorkel. It does. Yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> All right, thanks. Uh, I think that's uh, enough of you for this week. Uh, oh, all right. Fine. <laughs> well, fine. Just forget it. If you're enjoying the show, do us a big favor and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts because it just helps us get the show out there, get it heard by more people. We really appreciate it.